computer food, our first test looked actually very disturbing. As you can imagine, something created uh, in the computer. Uh, well, they, you know, the ratatouille went through a stage where it looked like a pile of poker chips. Exterior, interior. Restaurant, bar, club, day, night. Action! What's going on, everyone? This is Monis Rose, the host of the podcast Restaurant Fiction. What is Restaurant Fiction, you ask? It is the podcast that reviews every single fictional restaurant, bar, and club featured in TV and film. And then we talk to the screenwriter, producer, and in this case, the production designer of said fictional restaurant, bar, and club. Today's restaurant is from Paris. It is a Parisian restaurant. A very fancy frou-frou restaurant. It is called Gusto's. It is featured, heavily featured. It pretty much is the entire movie of Ratatouille. Of course, the movie is about rat, but it's also about Gusto's. Now, who is our guest? Well, his name is Harley Jessup, and he not just has dined in Gusto's, he has built Gusto's from the ground up. Yeah, there were no contractors or architects or plumbers. It was pretty much Harley Jessup and his team. Harley Jessup is from Pixar, and he has had a hand in a slew of Pixar movies. I mean, just go on his IMDb page, and I think you've seen a couple of his films. Well, anyway, I can go on and on and on about Harley's biography, but let's cut to the brass tacks. You're here to experience Gusto's. So here is the review and our interview with Harley Jessup. Guys, Restaurant Fiction, we went to Paris. Not just any place in Paris. You see, everyone has their Paris. You know, they go to the Louvre, they go shopping. For us, we go for the food. Now, how are we going to pick our places? Well, we pick our places by the baguette. Yes, because the crunch, the smell, the baguette is the art. Yes, one can go to a boulangerie, because there are many. They are a dime a dozen on any street in any district in Paris. Paris. My uh, accent, my pronunciation is horrible there. But anyway, you judge a restaurant by the baguette. Because obviously these restaurants, they're getting the baguettes from the boulangerie. They know. Who has the best baguette? Well, it is Gusto's. Gusto's, it's in the fifth. It's by the Seine River. Why did we pick Gusto's? Because, you know, they do the classics. It's a Parisian palace, but it's not stuffy. They set this unpretentious tone because you're getting poor man's, poor Parisian's food done at a very fine level. Plus, what makes it also unpretentious, you have a waiter on roller skates. Like he is the best waiter on roller skates that is serving you. That is something unreal. Reminds me of like a 1950s American graffiti diner in California. So do not be intimidated by Gustos. You see this wine list and it's like, oh, I can't pronounce any of the wines. It's okay. 
all of the wine is good, especially the 1947 Cheval Blanc. Do not look at the price tag of what that bottle costs because uh, I'm just going to leave it there. Let's move on to the food. Obviously, when I mention the classics, you are going to get your confits, you know, the syrupy, smooth, fat-rendered meat. You're going to get the frog legs. What do the frog legs taste like? They taste like frog, which is a good thing. When somebody says, oh, this frog tastes like chicken, that means it's cooked poorly because frog is supposed to taste like frog. All right, let's cut to brass tacks here. The star of Gusto's is the ratatouille. Or it's actually like a kicked up version. It's called confit bialdi. Usually ratatouille, what I am used to is like a stew. You know, people can make it. You can make even the dish in a crock pot. This is not that. First of all, you have a porcelain plate with two drizzled sauces, a tomato and like a peppery sauce. And then in almost like a like an accordion domino effect, you have these thinly sliced mandolin vegetables that are almost like in a tartare mold and then topped with this drizzle on balsamic. And I'll tell you something, it sends one back to their childhood. Even if you've never experienced confit bialdi or ratatouille from your childhood, you'll have a greater appreciation to relive that special moment of your own childhood. So anyway, basically, what are we saying about Gusteau's? We're saying that Escoffier, Robuchon, and even Childs would be very proud. Harley, what'd you think of Gusteau's? What, what was your take on that review? Ratatouille was kind of a once-in-a-lifetime project for me. The heart of that film is Gusteau's, and the heart of Gusteau's is the kitchen. In creating Gusteau's, we wanted the chefs around the world that might see it to think, oh, they got it right. They noticed the details. The uh, French kitchens are really steeped in a tradition that goes back hundreds of years, and so you could really feel that. There's a almost military-like hierarchy in the kitchen, and the chef is the general, and he's calling out the orders, and everybody else in the kitchen will all scream or shout, we oui, chef. I, I was really taken aback by that. The um, kitchen was the first set that we modeled, and the story went through many, many changes. But the kitchen remained, you know, there's a door to a room that we never go into in the kitchen, but I put it there in case we needed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the dining room we wanted very big because at the beginning of the movie, it's we needed to show that the restaurant is has seen better times and the, the crowds are not coming there anymore. And so we had this, as you described, a big palace of a dining room. We set the kitchen up on a direct axis from the front door of the restaurant through the dining room, through the kitchen, through the back courtyard and out to the back alley to a drain street drain going down to the sewer. It's all in a straight line. And that was kind of for screen direction and just simplicity. And it actually wound up you know, working. The audience kind of knows where you are all the time. You really look into the movement. Like it's really about movement from when you mentioned the path, the beeline to the sewer drains. I mean, your, your whole team is like, this is how our characters are going to move in this setting. We need seamless. And really, in any uh, storyteller, you want good movement. When you put real actors or computer actors, you need that. Basically, we're trying to design an interesting stage, a, a photogenic stage for the characters to do any action. And one of our main concerns was to design for both at human level, 
where much of the movie takes place, but also at rat level. What resonates with you with Ratatouille and Gusto's? I was struck between what we do as artists at Pixar, designing these films, and what the great chefs and their teams are doing. There's an artistry, there's a determination to try to do something new and fresh and perfect. Thomas Keller, the chef at the French Laundry, he created the ratatouille dish that we show in the movie. There's a sign above the door at the French Laundry in the kitchen that, that it's basically the definition of finesse. I identified with that, that uh, God is in the details uh, in what they're doing, and I feel it's the same way in what, what we're doing. How much detail did go into designing Gusto's? The uh, dining room in Gusto's and the kitchen, we laid it out so that it was filling in what had formerly been a courtyard in this classical style French building in the Haussmann style, which is right in the heart of Paris. So the dining room has a big skylight, which I think you only see once, if that, uh, but we knew it was there. And it's all laid out as if it were filling in this courtyard in this 17th century or 18th century building. A detail that was true to the way Paris has kind of organically grown over the years and how those buildings have been developed. Having photographed probably five different uh, fantastic Paris kitchens, we realized there's no one layout. I was really expecting there to be a normal hierarchy of how the different stations would be laid out. And so it, there's commonality in that there's a fish station and a pastry place and a, uh, a place where the meat is prepared. We basically put it all into one room. How many drafts did you do? Or I guess because I'm not familiar with the production design or, or molds or like how many takes with, with obviously with a writer, it's, it's just a draft. For the characters, uh, Remy went through many incarnations. We did hundreds of drawings. We'd keep refining and refining. The director would weigh in. And so then we would wind up doing traditional sculpts, usually about four, five, or six for each of the main characters in clay, even before it got into the computer. Before there was this millennial food porn craze, you mastered the art of a food porn picture for our part, trying to create appealing food. That was one of the biggest challenges of the film. Sharon Callahan, who was director of photography for lighting, she and I have worked on several films since Ratatouille, and her eye for making the food appealing was very important. You know, I feel like she's a genius. Uh, but we were looking at the best food photography, the best way food has been shown in film. And there are certain things that are sort of keys to making food look appetizing. A hot dish needs steam, it, but it also needs an active reflection that shows that it's sizzling or if it's a salad, dew drops and moisture uh, make it seem very fresh. So you want whatever it is to seem right out of the oven or right off the farm. The computer food, our first test looked actually very disturbing. As you can imagine, something created uh, in the computer. Uh, well, they, you know, the ratatouille went through a stage where it looked like a pile of poker chips. Or ways to make the restaurant pop out. You can show a lot about a character 
by the setting that they've created for themselves. Or, the, uh, or you can show a fish out of water by a setting where they definitely do not belong there. And that was clear when Remy falls into the kitchen. He is the last thing they want in there. And that tension, sort of mutual fear between humans and rats, and yet how he yearned to be part of that world. That whole conflict was very satisfying to uh, try to express in the settings uh, and the characters. You know, at the very beginning of the development process, everyone was pretty worried about the, they called it the ick factor of showing a rat in, the, in a kitchen. And I think there are certain nods to uh, solving the problem of the audience worrying about, ah, oh, rats in the kitchen, where every time Remy comes in, he washes his hands. And when the rat family all comes in to help, they're cleaned in the dishwasher. That is trying to put the audience at ease so it doesn't bump them out of the story. When reading a script, as a production designer, uh, what elements do you look for? When I go to a movie, I like to be taken to a new place. I love movies set in other countries or set in a culture or showing an occupation that I don't know about. Uh, that is, But I want it to be authentic. When uh, Brad Bird came uh, on as director, and he wrote the uh, final script, he opened it up and we got to see Paris. I feel like that was a very important decision, important emotionally because of Remy's delight at being in the city that he, that was the food capital of the world. When I saw that in the script, that was a challenge, but also a total dream come true. What is your relationship like with the writer, whether on Ratatouille, whether on any film you've been a part of? to give a kind of kick-ass preview of what visually this movie could be. That is kind of my, my mission throughout it all. I don't know if people know, the movie is completely drawn out and sort of semi-animated in storyboards. And the story department, as I was mentioning, they can kind of move into a setting before any real animation has been done. So uh, that fulfilling of visual potential is an important part of my job. And to, to show how we can tell part of the story in the setting, they might not need dialogue for a certain part. It's a real collaboration. It, or early on with the story department, which is, you know, probably numbers from five to 16. The writer is part of that, and there, there's a collaboration between the writer and the story department. There are many times, especially in the early stages, where we'll find one of the artists on the team or we'll find a bit of reference for a setting they hadn't thought of that would just be gorgeous if we could include it into the film and very unique to the story. You're all storytellers here. I like to think that from the very beginning, the rule here has been story is king. I've been to a lot of films where the film looks gorgeous, but the story's not that good. And so, you know, I feel for the production designer, they put all this work in, but it hasn't worked. And so I get it that the design is not the ultimate thing, but I feel like the design as it supports the story is where I can help and where we can really be part of the success of the storytelling. How can, in a way, a writer, the screenwriter, make the production designer's job easier? 
There are certain kinds of scenes that are actually really challenging. Having a character comb his hair, that's super hard. Creating a skyline full of skyscrapers, that's not that hard. To create a classical facade, which we did in uh, Ratatouille, where the, the elements, the pillars, the capitals, the window elements are very formal and symmetrical. That actually, the computer does that very well. A repetition of dining room chairs, it's like, doesn't cost any more to have uh, 200 than it does to have two. There are just things like that that s sometimes writers think, oh, this will be too expensive to show this grand place where it'll turn out, oh, that's actually easier than the uh, toy box full of different moving toys. The ending scene with Boo and uh, Sully in Monsters Incorporated, especially hard at that time, early computer graphics, where Boo reaches out and uh, pets him. And that still brings tears to my eyes. The emotion was so powerful in that touch that it makes the uh, extreme effort to make that scene possible, to do that technically, all worth it. What are you ordering at? Gusto's or La Ratatouille, which is the new oh, restaurant yeah. at the end of the film. What I would definitely order the Ratatouille, of course. The other dishes we prepared that we created for the, the kitchen were important, but the Ratatouille needed to outshine them <laughs> and uh, be something incredibly special. And so what Thomas Keller did and what the artists here at Pixar did on that dish, I tasted it on the day that it was made. It was kind of sublime. The fact that it harkens back to a very simple peasant dish that struck a chord with uh, Ego, the food creator. Um, all of that makes it especially delicious seeming to me. So that's what I would order. Take me through the food at Pixar, if you don't mind. You mentioned your turkey sandwich. How is, how is the food at Pixar? It's really good. And we actually tested a lot of dishes in the Pixar kitchen when we were working on Ratatouille. Michael Warsh, who was art department manager, was also formerly a chef, or he had trained as a chef. And so he was very helpful as a connection to the world of the Pixar kitchen. What is your go-to food that gives you that creative spark, whether you're in Paris, whether you're here in Pixar Studios in Emeryville, whether you're just with your family, you need that creative, ugh. This is going to sound kind of anticlimactic. I say, I am not a food expert. I haven't been an expert on any of the films I've, any of the subject matter of the films that I've worked on at Pixar. So my personal taste in food is actually very conservative. You know, my go-to food to sort of refuel me, uh, roast turkey, tomato, and avocado sandwich on sourdough every day. It doesn't make me get fat, and so I'm happy about that. Thank you, Harley. That was awesome in every single way. You know, if you want to see more of Harley's work besides Ratatouille, well, I guess you can go down the plethora of Pixar films and watch The Good Dinosaur, Cars 2, Coco, and I'm sure he's had a hand in many, many others. Outside of the Pixar world, he has had a hand in Steven Spielberg movies Hook, as well as the movie Inner Space and James and the Giant Peach. On a side note, when Restaurant Fiction went to interview Harley, it was done 
at the Pixar Animation Studios in Emeryville. Anyway, for more episodes of Restaurant Fiction, just go to our iTunes podcast page or Stitcher or wherever, Spotify, all of those websites. If you like to still read on the computer instead of listen, go to www.restaurantfiction.com. Once again, my name is Monis Rose, and as always, keep it real, keep it fresh, and keep it on the flip side. Exterior. Interior. Restaurant. Bar. Club. Day. Night. And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%. APR 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Hey, 8% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030.